0: Brian Lehrer on WNYC. Last week on the show, we did a Black History Month segment appropriate for this presidential election year. We looked back on the first campaign of an African American for the nomination for president from a major U.S. political party. It was Shirley Chisholm's campaign for the Democratic nomination in 1972. Today we look back to what we might consider the next major chapter in that story, Reverend Jesse Jackson's campaigns for the Democratic nomination in 1984 and 1988, which got much further than Congresswoman Chisholm's did. In fact, in that 1988 campaign, Reverend Jackson came in second in the number of delegates earned in the Democratic primaries, that means he got more delegates than Al Gore, who also ran that year, and it means he got more delegates than Joe Biden, who also ran that year. In 84, Jackson had come in third behind Walter Mondale and Gary Hart, but still won hundreds of delegates and a speaking slot at the Democratic convention.
1: This is not a perfect party. We are not the perfect people yet we are called to a perfect mission. Our mission, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to house the homeless, to teach the illiterate, to provide jobs for the jobless, and to choose the human race over the nuclear race.
0: Reverend Jesse Jackson at the 1984 Democratic National Convention. We'll hear at least one more clip as we go, and as we welcome now Clarence Lusain, director of the International Affairs Program at Howard University, past chair of the Political Science Department there, and author of many books, including The Black History of the White House, and Dr. Lusain worked on both the 1984 and 88 Jesse Jackson campaigns. Dr. Lusain, we really appreciate you joining us for this. Welcome to WNYC. Uh, thank you for having me. And listeners, as we did with our Shirley Chisholm segment last week, you're invited to add some oral history to this segment. We'll have time for a few calls. Is anybody listening right now who remembers voting for Jesse Jackson in either the 1984 or 1988 Democratic primaries? Call in and say why. 212-433-WNYC. 212 433 Nine six nine two. You would have been choosing Jackson over Walter Mondale and Gary Hart in '84 over Michael Dukakis, Al Gore, Joe Biden, and others in '88. Why did you? Or what was the importance of his candidacy to you or to the nation as you remember it? Oral history. Welcome here. If you voted for Jesse Jackson in 1984 or '88, 212-433 WNYC four three three nine six. 9-2. So Dr. Lusane, unlike Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, Jesse Jackson was not in elected office when he launched his run for the presidency for 1984. Who was Jesse Jackson to America or the Democratic Party at that time?
2: So uh, Jesse Jackson had come out of and was still part of the civil rights movement. Uh, he had been a lieutenant to uh, Reverend King. Uh, he had moved to Chicago and uh, started his own operation uh, after Dr. King was assassinated, uh, Operation Breadbasket, which was a national civil rights organization, uh, pretty pretty much known for its uh, winning uh, covenants, as Jesse called them, which were uh, agreements by corpora- corporations that worked in black communities that they would invest in those communities, they would hire uh, people from those communities uh and so on that that issue and then on a wider range of peace and social justice issues uh Jesse had built his name uh the first kind of push for Jackson to run uh, actually came in the 1970s uh with a uh, organization and a movement called the National uh, Black Political Assembly and in 1972 uh it had an assembly and it pushed for a candidate that would not be either Democrat or Republican. Uh, Jesse's name came up, but Jesse, for various reasons, uh, declined to do it. And, of course, that was the year Shirley Chisholm was running, Uh, and so that also complicated uh, issues. Uh, By the time we get to the 80s and Ronald Reagan gets elected, there's a severe pushback by the black community because of the sense that Reagan was against civil rights, he was states' rights kind of candidate, and so increasingly there was a demand that the Democrats uh, have a stronger stance. And when that didn't happen, then you begin to get a call for uh, a black candidate, and then Jesse's name kind of rose to
3: the top of that.
0: Let's take our first oral history call. Aura in Brooklyn, you're on WNYC. Hi, Aura.
3: Good morning, I voted for Jesse in 1984 and I also ran a program in 1984 called Churches United for voter registration that was included about 10 churches between Brooklyn and Manhattan. I can name the churches if you have time and then in 1988 I had a four-year-old daughter whom I took into the voting booth with me so that she could pull the lever for Jesse Jackson.
0: What was the importance of him to you?
3: The importance was that as an African American, as someone who was at the, at the end of the civil rights movement, was to continue the struggle that my, my parents and ancestors had begun to gain equal rights in this country and the right to vote. I had a mother who had to pay poll taxes in Montgomery um, in order to register to vote. So voting has always been high on our priority list as a family.
0: Thank you, Aura. Thank you very much. More oral history. Rachel in Middlebury, Connecticut. You're on WNYC. Hi, Rachel.
4: Thanks for having me. I just want to share a memory that I had when I was 21, and I was living in San Francisco in a house with a bunch of my friends, and we were so excited to support Jesse Jackson. We went to downtown San Francisco and heard him speak, and we were just crying with joy and hope.
0: Hope for what? Can you put it into words in the context of that year, 84?
4: It just was a time, it felt like a time of great change and great looking forward to things being better. I mean, we lived in Oakland, and it just was rough for a lot of people, and we wanted there to be services and... um, Mm -hmm. Progress. I lost my train of thought. And and hope. We wanted... We wanted there to be, you know, people to not be homeless. We wanted people to have yes. equal opportunities. We wanted people to have, be empowered. We wanted people to have jobs. We wanted to stop wars. We wanted, you know, it just, it just felt like it could happen.
0: Rachel, thank you so much. And I think that kind of sets up this other clip we have of Reverend Jackson from his 1984 convention speech saying who he believed he was representing.
1: My constituency is the desperate, the damned, the disinherited, the disrespected, and the despised. They are restless and seek relief. They have voted in record numbers. They have invested the faith, hope, and trust that they have in us. The Democratic Party must send them a signal that we care. I pledge my best. Not to let them down.
0: Reverend Jesse Jackson in his 1984 Democratic Convention speech. Dr. Hussein. we also have to acknowledge when we talk about 84, the controversy which was very much an issue here in New York when Jackson got caught referring to New York as Jaime Town because there were so many Jews in the city. He apologized for what he called a thoughtless remark that was wrong, but wasn't intended to be mean or bigoted, he said. Some Jewish leaders and voters accepted the apology in the context of a long-working relationship. Some did not. It haunted him through the 88 campaign, too. My question to you is, um, how do you think that affected his relationship with Mondale in 84 when that happened, or his influence on the party nationally?
3: So
2: uh, Jackson admitted, as you you indicated, uh, that it was a mistake. And uh, he, as you said, he apologized for it. Uh, But I think the broader context is that, uh, as your callers uh, indicated, is that Jackson was trying to build a broad coalition uh, because it was felt that the Democratic Party at the time uh, was pretty much uh, focused on, you know, it had a very narrow focus. And so Jackson... Uh, which had been uh, unexpected for a black candidate. Uh, There was a sense that he would just only focus on issues related to civil rights. But he talked about the environment. He talked about workers' rights. He talked about a coalition that not only would include black people, but Native Americans, Latinos, Jews, Arab Americans, kind of across the board. So uh, even though that was, you know, as, as, as happened in campaigns, Candidates will often say something that's really wrong, Uh, but Jackson, you know, tried to balance that uh, with both his experience in terms of leading up to that, as well as uh, in the platform that he put forth, both in 84 and 88. And uh, like your call, I actually lived in Oakland uh, in 83 and 84, so I was out there for the convention. Uh, And it was very much as the speaker said, that there was a hope that because Jackson was targeting issues that the candidates generally did not uh that there was, there was a, a way in which the democratic party could become more progressive
0: more oral history jonathan in sunset park you're on wnyc hi jonathan
5: hello sorry just eating my breakfast um Late yeah Rosa. i uh i am uh, I was a student at uh, Columbia in 1984 and I was uh, working on um, like voter, voter registration and mostly we would go out into Harlem and try to register people. And um, it was just, it was a good experience. Just people were just very excited about, you know, the chance of, uh, to be able to vote for Jesse Jackson. A lot of them had not voted like since, you know, JFK or something. So, um... I did that and then in 1988 i was living in san francisco and i was volunteering on the camp the jackson campaign and um it was i mean it was great experience because being in this room with all these people it was you know the jews for jackson and the arabs for jackson were you know right there with each other and you know latino the nations and gay people and all of this It, it you know i think that was really what he was so much about was like trying to bring People together, you know, and reaching out to all these different communities. Um, And as far as that thing about the hometown, there was—I remember at one point there was a woman who called into the campaign, and she was not Jewish, but she had Jewish friends, and she was concerned about this. And you know, and I got on the phone and was talking to her and telling her, like, you know, that was you know that was something that was unfortunate, you know, but you know, people sometimes say things that are you know, you know, not. Proper, not correct. No, we don't like. But you have to look at the big picture of what was he talking about? You know, he was talking about every. You know, including people. Um, and uh, I, I just remember it as the, being this great experience of just working together with this very diverse group of people who are John. all focused on this guy.
0: And um, Jonathan, th- and, thank, and, thank yeah. you, thank you very much. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your breakfast. Um, and so, Doctor Lusane in eighty eight. Jackson came in a strong second in delegates around 30 percent of delegates to around 40 percent for the nominee, Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis. What changed between 84 and 88 that Jackson got about 700 more delegates, had so much more success?
2: So that's a really important question. So the 84 campaign campaign really was grassroots uh, generated Uh, the year before in 1983 at the 20th anniversary of the march on washington the march in 63 where king delivered his i have a dream speech there was a big commemoration but it was also a call to uh to organize and to mobilize and the major one of the major themes that came from that um, that uh, event was run jesse run so there was a ground up pressure because most of the black leadership at the time in 83 and 84 Civil rights leadership, black elected officials were all backing Mondale or some other Democrat. They saw Jesse as kind of an upstart, but Jesse had support from black churches, he had support from black community organizations. Uh, so that changed in 88. When Jesse ran in 88, virtually the entire black leadership, from the Congressional Black Caucus members to black mayors to uh, black civil rights leaders, all backed Jackson uh, in that period. So he had a very different kind of, uh, energy in 1988. He had the grassroots as well as, uh, what some would call the rooftops, uh, behind him. And so he won 11 states, uh, which was virtually kind of unheard of, uh, 7 million votes. Uh, and so he had a major impact on, uh, the convention and on the platform, uh, in that year. So it was a very, you know, different kind of environment, uh, in 88.
0: Clarence Lusane, director of the International Affairs Program at Howard University, past chair of the political science department there, and author of many books, including The Black History of the White House. And Dr. Lusane worked on both the 84 and 88 Jesse Jackson campaigns. And listeners, thank you for your oral history calls in this final—and we got an extra one in because we've been doing them on Thursdays, and it's leap year, so we had five Thursdays—final uh, Black History Month segment— for this presidential election year Dr. Hussein thanks so much.
2: Thank you so much. Have a good day.